yo, yo! Welcome to the Fantasy Bros NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Jason. Joining me, as always, is my brother and bro, Baby Jake. What's up? What's good? What do you got for the people? Just another day in paradise. Another. Fun day of adulting. That's right. Something like that. But luckily tonight, we get to sit here and talk fantasy football. Something to look forward to. So tonight's episode, we're going to keep it rolling with what we did last Tuesday. We're going to take a look at all the game lines and spreads for all the games on the main slate. And then we are going to take a look at the DraftKings salaries. We'll take a look at changes this week and just talk about some things that jump out to us. So on that note, let's get into the first game here. We're starting at the 1 o'clock games, noon, if you're here central time with us. And we're going to take a look here at this Miami at Buffalo. Now, as you can see here on the screen... We're showing the implied team totals, the total score, and then the spread. So the implied team totals is, you know, you get that obviously from the spread and the over-under. But it's showing, based on that information, what each team is actually projected to score. So this is helpful because, like Jake and I mentioned in previous episodes, we look for those games that have that 48 over-under to target in games. But sometimes you have a game like this, where Buffalo's projected 31.5 points, and Miami 18. So in this game, the over-under is 49.5. It does meet that 48-point threshold. But let's say that Miami was only projected 15, right? That takes the total under 48, but Buffalo is still at 31.5. That's a pretty high team total. You're going to want pieces from that team, regardless of the game's total over-under. So I guess with that being said, let's kind of jump into it. Jake, what are your thoughts on this game? It's in Buffalo. haven't checked the weather yet. Yeah, that's always a factor for sure when you're in Buffalo because it is awfully cold there. And especially when it's starting to get to this time of the year. So that always can play an upper hand in the favor of the Bills, of course, since they're used to the elements. Miami, chilling on the beach year-round. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be accustomed to it, so that's a big factor. Plus, Miami has been pretty poor as of late. Um, I was looking here, and they did play earlier this year already. And Buffalo, it looks like, beat them 35-0. to zero. Um, In that game, though, it looked like the running backs went off, if I remember right. Like, Zach Moss had a touchdown. So, I don't know if the script, we'll see if it ends up being that again. With Buffalo, it, there's a good chance. I mean, like, we're looking here, the spread, you know, it's almost two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So, there's definitely a good possibility that, yeah, Buffalo could just end up smashing the ball and just running it in between the tackles the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. And... You know, when I look at weather, I don't necessarily care about the temperature so much as wind and rain. Mm-hmm. Buffalo can get rainy. It can get snowy, depending on the time of year. And it usually is pretty windy out there. Like Jake mentioned, in a game like this, Buffalo should handle them. And so they might just need to run the ball and not really rely on passing. But depending on the weather, you know, it might not be a shootout if it is windy. If it is rainy, both teams might be forced to uh, play that short intermediate pass game and keep the ball on the ground. Um, players here, Josh Allen's always an option. Stephon Diggs still hasn't had that blow-up game yet. Emmanuel Sanders is the number two on the team. Dawson Knox can get a touchdown every now and then. And Zach Moss has really taken over that lead back role. Outside of that, there's really no one on the Buffalo side that interests me, unless any injuries pop up or something I'm not aware of. And on the Miami side... We saw Tua come back last week. He had a great fantasy day. He actually won a lot of people a lot of money. I don't think he looked good, and I don't think he's a good NFL quarterback, at least not yet. Um, 
Player-wise, I don't know if Devontae Parker is going to be back this week. Mike Gesicki is kind of filling in, eating those targets mm-hmm. that have been vacated with Parker out. So if Parker's back, you know, Gusecki might drop a little bit in the model. Other than that, Waddle playing on the inside. Kind of a boomer bust sort of play. The talent's obviously there. And then running back, Miles Gaskin seems to be the most playable in fantasy. But in real life, they just haven't committed to one workhorse back. Yeah, I think Gaskin ended up with 17. But yeah, exactly. I mean, you're relying on them basically to play from behind. And he's just going to get catches out of the backfield. Right, which looks like it should be the game script for this one. So that might be the case. Mm -hmm. But that's all I got for this game. You got anything else to add? Nope. All right. Check out the next game here, Carolina at Atlanta. Atlanta two-and-a-half point favorites at home, 46-point over-under. So here you got Carolina projected just under 22 points and Atlanta projected just over 24. What are your thoughts on this one? Um, With Atlanta being the home team and only a two-and-a-half point spread, typically usually give the home team like a three-point spread. So I see it as pretty much deadlock, um, maybe even a little playing in the favor of Carolina. I don't think McCaffrey is back yet. I'm not sure. I haven't heard. I think he's still out. I mean, that guy is a game breaker. So, Carolina has him. I would say they definitely have a chance here. I feel like Atlanta's been on a hot streak, though, as of late. They pulled out the last second win against Miami last week. Um, Kyle Pitts has really came on strong for them at tight end. They've been lining him out wide as well. And I think he had majority of the target share last week and mm-hmm. was the alpha even compared to with Ridley back. So, mm-hmm. And Ridley, I don't – did he get in the end zone? I can't even remember. He ended up with 12 DraftKings points, but I'm not sure exactly how he got there. So I remember Gage had a bomb and then Pitts had a touchdown. Yeah, I don't remember Ridley scoring, but I could be wrong. Yeah, um, just to kind of echo what Jake's saying, neither of these are great teams. It's a low-scoring over-under. I think it's probably going to be a slop fest. Sam Darnold got benched in their game on Sunday against the Giants, so who knows what direction they're going to go there. Not sure if McCaffrey's going to be back yet or not. Atlanta, they've been improving throughout the year, but like Jake said, they won on a last-second field goal. I believe who they play in their last game. Was it the London game against Jacksonville? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and so that wasn't a great game. So they haven't really been lost. Or no. Is that the one Jacksonville won? It might have been, but they haven't really faced great competition. They don't look great in the games they've been playing. Um, So it's one of those things. Calvin Ridley is an elite talent, but they aren't really using him. Kyle Pitts looks awesome, especially for fantasy purposes. They line him up out wide. He has tight end eligibility. So he's a great play for fantasy. But if you don't really think this game has the potential to shoot out, it might just be one you want to stay away from. And then on the other side, DJ Moore is an elite talent as well, just like Calvin Ridley. But they just, I don't know. It seems like some games, they get him the ball, he gets his numbers. And other games, the team just looks so bad, no one really gets going. So this is a game, it's pretty easy to pick which players you're going to want to play. Then you got to ask yourself, do you want to play any of them? Yeah, I don't know if I would even consider like a game sack here. You might do something secondary or one-off because yeah mm-hmm. these teams are not not going to score a whole lot of points yeah it's something where maybe you do like a Cordell Patterson if you think Atlanta is going to get the lead maybe you run a Cordell Patterson at running back and run it back with DJ Moore Robbie Anderson's been getting a ton of air yards but he just hasn't converted so maybe you know if he's cheap this week maybe you play him 
as kind of a punt play, a way to save cash, a player that has that boom-bust potential. But I'm not really a fan of this game. So let's see what else we got here. Cincinnati at the Jets, 43-point over-under. And the uh, Jets are 10.5-point underdogs at home here. So Cincinnati projected 26 and three-quarters of points. The Jets projected 16 and a quarter. Now, Zach Wilson got injured last game, PCL injury. He's going to be out a few weeks. Um, they did trade for Joe Flacco, so I'm not sure if Flacco will get the start this week or if they'll run out, what was his name, Mike White? Mike White. Mike White again. There's really no one I'd want to touch. Corey Davis is their number one pass-catching target, but if they're only going to score 16 points, I don't really want him. Mm-hmm. Um, running back, Michael Carter is the RB1. They're, they're playing from behind, and they're not getting in the end zone. Then I don't know if you want to play a running back necessarily. And then on the Cincinnati side, I mean, Jamar Chase had himself an all-time rookie game the other day. The guy is an absolute stud. Joe Burrow's been putting up great stats. I don't even know if he can keep putting up the stats he's been putting up. I mean, they're incredible. C.J. Uzama's been a good DraftKings play or fantasy play at tight end, which is always kind of a crapshoot. Tyler Board's really been relegated to just playing that inside slot role underneath, um, and Burrow likes to throw it deep. That's why Chase and Higgins have both been having pretty decent seasons, and Boyd's kind of been the forgotten one there. Joe Mixon, workhorse back when he's healthy, so we'll just have to see if he continues to get healthier and healthier throughout the week, or maybe they mix in Samaj Pirine. Um, not really sure. What are your thoughts on that game? Anything to add there? Jamar Chase, freak of nature. I believe he has the NFL all-time record for most receiving yards in the first seven games of someone's career. So you can't go wrong with that guy. It's pretty evident now after we've seen what he can do to some of the top defenses even. Yeah, that's crazy. I hadn't heard that stat. Yeah, I was reading that today on old IG. Um, Yeah, really what you're saying, I mean, the Jets, they're not very promising. Um, The only person that I think did decent last week for them was Michael Carter. Mm -hmm. Um, Elijah Moore, he's their other rookie not really relevant, though, at receiver. No, I think he had one catch last week, and he'd been dealing with some injuries prior to that. I know there was a lot of expectations for him coming into the season. He looked good in camp, but it just doesn't seem like he's healthy. And the Jets aren't a good team, so mm-hmm. you can't put all that on one player. It's a rookie coming into the league, and he just isn't really set up for success right now. So I don't hold that against him. We'll, we'll see if he can get it turned on by the end of the year. Let's see the next game here. Pittsburgh at Cleveland. 42.5 point over-under. Let's take it back here. 42.5 point over-under. Cleveland, 3.5 point favorites at home. So another low total. I think there is actually a storm coming into the Northeast this week. I think there is a state of emergency issued by the governor of New York. So that might have something to do with why all these East Coast games have such low totals. Um, I'm not a weatherman. I could be wrong. But these are some uniquely low totals here. So Cleveland projected 23 points. Pittsburgh projected 19.5. Jake, what are your thoughts here? Definitely going to be a lot of running, I feel like. If the weather's just crappy, usually you can count on the run game being strong for both of them. And both these teams, anyway, Cleveland especially, I mean, they're a run-first sort of team. Mm -hmm. They do not want to pass the ball. And Case Keenum's their quarterback again this week, I'm almost certain, because Baker still dealing with the labrum term. Yep. I don't think that'll be fixed anytime soon. So Sounds like he needs off-season surgery, so I think that the jury's still out on whether or not he'll even play the rest of the year. Good thing for them, though, is they have – it looks like Chubb will be back this week. 
and he got extended rest since they played on Thursday night. So we'll get some time off. I don't know about Odell, if he's feeling any better. You got Jarvis back. He looked okay last game. The defense for them, though, is really, really outstanding right now. I want to say Denzel Ward went down last game, though, for him at corner. He's been playing pretty good, so that, that's going to hurt. Um, on the Pittsburgh side, you got old man, father time, Big Ben. <laughs> Dude just looks like he's 50-plus years old. Don't know if he can sling the rock still, but he's getting it done somehow. Looks like a lot of dump passes this season to his boy, Najee Harris. Yep. He's been a stud. You can count on him for tons of volume, and he gets nearly all the running back touches. He's in basically the whole game. Mm-hmm. Receivers, kind of a crapshoot. I mean, you got some weeks Deontay Johnson goes off. Another week Chase Claypool goes off. I just feel like it's kind of up in the air with them. I think Deontay Johnson is the one, the number one guy for him, but Claypool's been like their deep threat guy, it seems like, and I don't know. It's just a lot of inconsistency, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, Pittsburgh offensive line, it seems like it's been improving throughout the season, but as poorly as they started, they really only could improve. With Juju out for the year, I think Claypool's going to get a few more targets. I completely agree. Deontay Johnson is the alpha on that team. He looks great when he's healthy. It's just a matter of whether or not Big Ben can get it to him or not. Um, Ebron's always been a pass-catching threat at tight end. And we also have the rookie Fryermuth who's been coming on. So he may get a little more involved as well with Juju vacating those slot targets. Najee Harris getting a ton of the workload out of the backfield. So he's always an option. Um, and then on the Cleveland side, yeah, for this week, with Baker out, with Odell injured, Jarvis coming back from injury, low total, expecting it to probably be poor weather or just a grinded out game. I'm only going to play Chubb and or Hunt. You know, this might be a game where you could get sneaky in DraftKings um, and play both of them, depending on price. Mm -hmm. That's something that not a lot of people consider, but with Kareem Hunt's pass-catching abilities and Nick Chubb's just can take it to the house from anywhere on the field, they could both score 20 points. And we saw a Millie Maker lineup this last week had Brandon Bolden and Damian Harris. Yep, so it can be done. Well, that's all I got for that game. Let's keep it moving here. Next, we got Tennessee at Indianapolis, 49.5 point over-under. Tennessee one-point favorite road dogs. Or, not road dogs, favorites on the road. So Tennessee projected 25, Indianapolis projected 24. What do you got for this game? Tennessee, they looked phenomenal last week. Tore Kansas City apart. I feel like Derrick Henry's got to turn it back on. He didn't have a... Great game last week, but, I mean, their passing game was on. So he didn't have to do a lot when A.J. Brown and Tannehill had that connection going. Tannehill maybe can reproduce another game like last week. He did it last season. He was really consistent, putting up, like, on a regular basis, two touchdowns or more. Mm -hmm. He got into the end zone on a rushing touchdown, too, last week. It's always huge upside with a quarterback when they're versatile like that. Indianapolis... I just don't see much in them. Like, I'm surprised the spread was only one. I thought it would have been a little bit bigger, especially after their game with uh, the Niners. Right. I feel like Indy does not look that great. Their offense, just, I don't know. Carson Wentz, I don't think he can get the job done on a regular basis for them. And their defense has given up quite a bit of points lately. Mm -hmm. So I feel like Tennessee, we could see... A similar game to last week where, you know, it's just a blowout. They win by, like, two or three touchdowns. Sure. 
Yeah, I think Tennessee two weeks ago played Buffalo. Last week played Kansas City. So they're coming off back-to-back weeks against what most people thought were the two best teams in the AFC. Mm-hmm. So there might be kind of a letdown factor into this. Um, Indianapolis, I kind of actually feel the, the other way. I feel like they're getting healthier, and they just beat the 49ers, who a lot of people thought would be a Super Bowl contender coming into the year. And it's really hard to gauge where they are because they've dealt with so many injuries. I, I think they're 2-4 and four or 2-5. and five. So record-wise, they don't look great. But I think roster-wise, they have talent. So I do think it's impressive for Indianapolis to go on the road to San Francisco and grind out a win there. Um, now, the way these two teams are playing, though, yeah, Tennessee is probably playing the best of any football team in the league right now at this moment. So, um, who knows? Maybe they're due for a letdown game. I'm not really sure. I think that this is a hard game for Vegas to get the line right on, and I'm sure people are having a tough time betting it, and that's why it's kind of in this weird zone that it's in now, one point, 49 over under. Um, Fantasy-wise, A.J. Brown's back. It was only a matter of time. Julio Jones is still gone. I think he he just needs to hang him up. It seems like he was hurt all of last year. He was kind of on a downward trend, you know, to finish the year before that, and he hasn't done anything in Tennessee. And some of it might be due to injuries, but so what? If you're 31 years old and you are never healthy enough to be on the field, then I guess I don't really care what the issue is or what you want to blame it on. So I don't trust Julio. And then Derrick Henry, I mean, any week he can get you 40 points. It just depends on if they need him to or not or how the game's scripted. So that's someone that's always going to be in my player pool, always consider him. On the Indianapolis side, if you do think they're going to be playing from behind, it might be a Naheem Hines game. Um, usually a cheap running back. He's their pass catching back. Not that Jonathan Taylor can't catch, but they like to scheme up plays for Hines. Michael Pittman has become the alpha receiver over there. He's one of those second-year breakout receivers we talked about. We were both high on him coming into the year, so I'm going to be playing him a lot. And then Moali Cox is always a touchdown threat once they get in the end zone, or red zone, I should say. So playing in a game that has that 49.5 point over-under, it could turn into somewhat of a shootout. Tight ends that are in that type of game script who do get looked at in the end zone are guys that I'll consider at least. So not saying he's a lock-button play, but I think that's someone, especially if he's a you know low-owned and cheaply-priced tight end, someone to consider. All right, on to Philadelphia at Detroit. 47.5 point over-under, Philadelphia three-point favorites. Now, I know you're an Eagles fan, but a part of me was kind of thinking that Detroit might be favored in this game because they have been fighting every game they've been in. And a part of me is kind of rooting for them in this game. They almost beat the Ravens a few weeks ago. They played quite a few close games this year um, where they played the Rams this last week, and they led for most of the game. I know in the end it ended up obviously not going in their favor and the Rams, you know, kind of pulled away. But Detroit led for a few quarters. It wasn't the Darrell Henderson game that everyone thought it would be where the Rams would just run it down their throat. Detroit is a gritty team. They show up and they play whoever they're up against. So I think that this will be a very close game. I was surprised that they're three-point dogs at home. And uh, this 47.5 point over-under in a dome is kind of interesting to me. I think it might be a game that a lot of people just X out because they maybe aren't high on either of these teams. But I think both of these teams have explosive offenses and pretty bad defenses. So this really could turn into a you know Jalen Hurts 30-point game. Devontae Smith catches a long pass. Maybe Goddard has a couple touchdowns. And then on the Detroit side, DeAndre Swift, Hawkinson, 
Mm-hmm. And then um, does Philly run mostly man or mostly zone defense? Do you know? I think it's a mix of both. They'd run more zone than they have in the past with uh, Schwartz gone as their D coordinator. Mm-hmm. So if they're running zone, this might be a clear framing game. And if they're running man, you might want to play Amonra St. Brown. So I don't know. From a fantasy standpoint, we'll take a look at salaries you know, in our later segment and see uh, where these players are priced at. But this is kind of interesting to me because I don't think many people will be on this game. And I think that the potential is there. Jake, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm with you. Defenses for both of these teams are not the greatest. Philadelphia just cannot stop the run whatsoever on defense. I could see the Detroit backfield having a heyday. And DeAndre Swift already is one of their best playmakers. And they give him the ball everywhere on the field. Mm -hmm. Handoff, pass, you name it. They want the ball in his hands more than anyone else right now. And he's showing why. He's making things happen for them that no one else is producing right now. I totally see him having one of the best games, maybe on the slate. I could see DeAndre Swift turn it up. And then on the Philadelphia side, I feel like you could see Jalen Hurts unleash his arm. He's yep. been happy feet the whole season, making moves, running the ball nonstop. Basically, has been their RB1. Now that Miles Sanders got injured this last game, there's a chance he could be out. So they'll probably rely on his feet even more. Yeah, I was going to ask you, with Miles <clears throat> Sanders out, is Gainwell going to become the RB1, or are they going to use Boston Scott kind of as the first and second down running back, and then Gainwell's the pass catcher, like they did after Sanders went out? Yeah. What are your I, thoughts there? I anticipate them to do a committee sort of style like that and let Boston Scott take the early down stuff. Mm-hmm. Gainwell, he's just a little guy. He's not, he's, he's not real bad, real big. I think he weighs under 200 pounds. So I think that role suits him to be the pass down guy. And I think he has a lot more success in that role anyway. He caught a pass for a touchdown last week. And I could see Boston Scott, yeah, carrying the early downs. Um, yeah, Gainwell's a playmaker, no doubt. When, when he was coming out and they were doing the – kind of pre-draft measurables and stuff like that um he popped i actually have quite a bit of him in best ball mm-hmm. from before the draft i thought he was going to be a third round pick and then he slipped to was the fifth fourth like the or fifth, fifth even yeah but i thought he was going to get much higher draft capital i thought he'd fall on a team that wanted a playmaker and you know i guess now he's in that position so we'll see see what happens all right let's keep it going here san francisco at chicago this is going to be another slop fest you see here, uh, San Francisco 21.5 projected points, Chicago 18. So the 49ers are 3.5-point road favorites. This game only has a 39.5-point over-under. Another one of those games that I personally don't want to touch. Um, I think San Francisco, when they're healthy, their defense looks good. I think they're going to give Justin Fields fits. Um, on offense, San Francisco, I, I don't know, is Garoppolo going to be back? I think Trey Lance is injured yeah, with Garoppolo. Garoppolo. Back, yeah, this could be maybe a Debo Samuel game. So we'll see. It, it really could just be San Francisco gets up to an early lead and then they just grind the clock out. That's kind of what I'm anticipating at least. I think Matt Nagy's out, tested positive for COVID-19. So maybe the Bears will actually look good for once. I could be completely wrong. Maybe they'll come out slinging, run some zone read stuff, some RPOs, get Justin Fields feeling comfortable and unleash him. But we haven't seen it yet, so... We can only go off of what we know. Can't do any worse. Let's say Fields, I believe, has three picks and three fumbles. 
So yeah. having Nagy out could be a blessing. He could get some different calls from their OC, whoever that is, that are different from what Nagy likes to go with because Justin Fields looked good in preseason. I mean, he's slinging the ball all over the place and just does not look like the same guy. No, and it's really interesting. He almost looks too comfortable. I haven't watched a ton of Chicago, but when I do see him on the screen, he holds the ball too long. He never seems rushed. He never panics. So it's kind of this strange thing where a lot of times you see rookie quarterbacks and they seem flustered. And with Justin Fields, he drops back, he's holding it, he's surveying the field, and he gets sacked. And it almost seems to me like, hey, this guy's not scared. This guy doesn't seem flustered or panicked. So why don't you guys just get him in a more fast-tempoed environment? Get him running zone reads. Get him running just quick out passes, right? So we'll see. Um, It's very interesting. I've never seen anything quite like it, though. Usually the rookies just are running around scared for their lives, and Fields just drops back and gets sacked. He holds the ball for five seconds, gets sacked, gets up, goes back to the huddle, comes out and does it again. (laughs) So I don't know. There's hope. I mean, the guy has all the tools in the world. He's talented. He's proven that. You know, high school, he was the Elite 11 quarterback, beat out Trevor Lawrence, went to college, did it at the college level, um, high draft capital. So he's got the tools. They just need to figure out how to unlock him. Anybody on the San Francisco side you want to talk about? Mm, Debo, that's really it. I'd say Jimmy G's in the mix. Debo can always have himself a game. I think Kittle is still out. I think so, but I'm not sure either. We'll look into that he, later. Even though when he was healthy, like he hasn't done much this year, I would still only look to Debo if I was going to play anyone in this game. I don't want to touch anything on the Bears squad. I mm-hmm. really don't trust anyone from this game with that total being 39 and a half. I don't even remember the last time I saw the total being under 40. Yeah. <laughs> For an NFL game. So that's kind of crazy. In some weeks, Chicago has a uh, kind of a cheap, like, every down back. You know, to start the year, David Montgomery, you're thinking, well, it is the Bears, but David Montgomery is a workhorse. I can get him for 5800 Then he got hurt. Then we were kind of thinking the same thing with Damian Williams. He went on COVID. Khalil Herbert came in. He's been a good sub-5K play. But now with Damian Williams coming back and Khalil Herbert looking good in his limited opportunities, I'm kind of scared to touch any of them because – you know, I could see Khalil Herbert taking the first and second down work and Damian Williams being the pass catching back. And like you mentioned, in a game where the team's only projected to score 18 points, it doesn't make either of those guys sexy plays. Mm-mm. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'd stay away from everybody. Let's keep it moving here. We got the Rams at the Texans. 48 point over under, 14 and a half point spread. So this is one of those games, like we mentioned, the 48 points is right there on that line. But the Rams are projected to score 31 of them. So the Rams are a team I'm going to target in this game. And it depends how you want to play it. Do you think that they're just going to run Darrell Henderson out? He's going to have himself 120 yards, two touchdowns, maybe a couple catches here or there. Or do you think that they're going to come out and Cooper Cup's going to get his 40 points? Almost seems like a weekly thing now. Mm -hmm. Matt Stafford will throw two or three touchdowns to him. And then they'll be up so big, they'll just maybe get Sony Michelle in. So it kind of depends on what you think there. I think Tyler Higby is still always on the field, always running routes. So he's always a threat to catch a touchdown. I think he's just kind of price dependent on whether or not you want to play him or not. Robert Woods, I know a lot of people have been down on him because Cooper Cup is having blow-up games week after week, and people are just like, well, when's it going to be Robert Woods this time? When's he going to get a chance? But Robert Woods is still getting you double-digit fantasy points every week. 
It's not like he's putting up duds. I mean, he's fine. You can play him, too. And then on the Houston side, I mean, there's nothing. Mark Ingram is their RB1, but they're projected 16 points. And they still do have David Johnson and Philip Lindsay. So I'm not touching their running backs. And skill position-wise, they have Brandon Cooks. That's it. And again, 16-point over-under. Do you even want to play a receiver there? I don't know what they have for tight ends. What do they have? Farrell Brown, Jordan Farrell Aikens. Brown and, yeah, Aikens. Not going to play them. Is Davis Mills still playing? Is Terod Taylor back? Still Davis Mills as far as I know. Davis Mills. So there's nothing on the Houston side that gets me excited. Jake, you have anything to add to this game? Thoughts? For this one, Houston's defense has been coming out fairly strong in the beginning for most games. Last week they played Arizona, and Arizona didn't take like a giant lead at the beginning or anything. Mm-hmm. And Houston's defense, I think, has surprised a lot of people. They've been pretty strong against most of the teams they've played against and keep it interesting for the first half. So I see this game turning into a lot of passing again for the Rams. I think it'll play out similar to last week with Detroit. That's interesting. Yeah. And I anticipate that. I don't think Hendo, I don't think he'll have much of a game. Darrell will just be similar to last week. I anticipate the Rams uh, receivers to get a lot of love this week from Stafford. And Houston, there's nothing really promising right there unless mm-hmm. some miracle Deshaun Watson decided to play for him. But <laughs> we all know that's not happening. He might be playing for someone else come Sunday. We'll see. That he could be. Yep, that's about all we got for that game. Um, let's come over here. Jacksonville at Seattle, 43-point over-under. Seattle, three-point favorites at home. That's kind of a blah. Like Jake was saying earlier, the home team typically will get a three-point edge if it's a somewhat evenly matched game. And with Russell Wilson out, Chris Carson's been banged up. Now Alex Collins is banged up. I know Lockett was banged up earlier in the year. Um, so we'll see how everybody's coming out after the Monday night game, too, on a short week. In Seattle, Jacksonville side, I, I don't know. I mean, I want to believe in Trevor Lawrence. I, I've always liked DJ Chark's talent. I think LaVisca is, isn't being used correctly. And now they're coming out saying that they want to get this Agnew guy more involved, that he's the best playmaker on the team. So I don't know what to think about Jacksonville. At least they finally have come to, like, James Robinson. They've mm-hmm. finally figured out what everyone else has known since about a third of the way through last season. This dude is a running this dude's a running back. He's an NFL caliber running back. He's a workhorse. This guy should be on the field 80% of the time. He should get all your carries. He can catch. He can pass block. They finally figured this out. So that's the only guy on that side I can trust. Jake, what do you think? Yeah, the Jack- Jacksonville receivers, it's it's just hard. It's hard to predict. I mean, really, each game seems like lately your your guy that's going to be your top score is maybe middle teens. Mm-hmm. Like we're looking at like a fifteen or sixteen point receiver is their highest scoring receiver. That's the ceiling, and no no one wants that. That's no. not going to be worth it ever. I mean, you're not not going to win anything. Trevor Lawrence is turnover prone right now. I I think he's thrown an interception every game except for one. And most of them, it's two interceptions or more. Mm-hmm. Seattle side, just like you said, they are hampered with injuries right now. The only person really on their offense that isn't banged up, I feel like, is DK Metcalf. Yeah. I could see him having a game, but you're counting on him probably breaking a tackle and going for 50-plus yards just like he did Monday. I mean, 
Right. Took it 80-something yards to the house. Because Gino, he's not going to done either. I mean, he looked okay the game he came in for us. I remember he almost led him to a comeback. But weather might have been an issue this last game for them too. So I'll give him that benefit. Is you know, they were playing in the rain against New Orleans, who's one of the best defenses right now. So may, maybe they can pull it together. But if the weather's iffy, like it, we're looking at the East Coast right now, right now, and it looks pretty iffy for this upcoming weekend, if they go through some harsh weather again, I don't see myself playing anyone from either of these teams. Yep, we'll just keep our eyes on it, see how injuries are looking towards the end of the week, see what the weather's looking like. But I, I agree with Jake. This isn't a game I'm going to be looking to target. Next up, we got Tampa Bay at New Orleans. So this is a divisional game. I believe that they played each other the first week of the year. And a lot of people, you know, were anticipating this to be a potential NFC championship game, winner of this going to the Super Bowl, which could still be the case by the end of the year. Um, Tampa Bay, 27.75 projected points. New Orleans, 22.75. And this is in New Orleans. So five-point home underdogs for the Saints. Jake, what do you got for this one? Not a huge fan of anything New Orleans. Alan Kamara. Seems like they're finally giving him more and more touches. Didn't understand earlier in the year they weren't. Like, right. Jameis was trying to throw it to, like, everyone besides him. Yep. Seems like last game now they're trying to design more plays for him. So that you got to love. Uh, Jameis is just not doing enough, I mean, for me to want to play him ever. I know he had, like, what, his first game of the year they played the Packers or something, and he had five touchdown passes or mm-hmm. something, but it's like, that seems like a fluke now. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Their receivers, no one, it's a real viable option. There's no consistency ever. You don't really know who the alpha is since Jameis spreads it around so much. Tampa Bay, though, you got to love Tom Brady having himself one heck of a year. Possible MVP candidate himself. I think he's probably leading, right, at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he set the touchdown career passing record. Or he broke 600. He already had it. Yep. Broke past 600 the last week. Their offense all around. Just a bunch of game changers. I mean, Leonard Fournette's really come on this year. Looks like he's the alpha back for them. Receivers should get... A little more interesting this week. It's going to be more of a toss-up. I believe Antonio Brown is back. So it's hard to pick between their trio of Brown, Godwin, and Evans. Evans was the guy last week. Godwin had himself a game, though, as well. I think Godwin put up 28 fantasy points. Mike Evans put up just over 30 since he had three touchdown catches. Yep. Um, Gronk, not sure if he's back. I'm not sure either, coming back from the rib injury. If he is, though, I'm like, he's always a good red zone target. Yep. It seems like he does get a lot of targets in the red zone out of all the other guys. Him and Mike Evans, like, are the top two red zone threats. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both these teams, I believe they have pretty stout run defenses. Now, Alvin Kamara can catch passes, too. And we saw a few weeks ago how the Dolphins used Miles Gaskin against the Buccaneers. So maybe New Orleans will scheme up Alvin Kamara to be used in a role more like that, more of a pass-catching gadget type role for this game. Um, Tampa Bay is a bit of a pass funnel, but like Jake said, New Orleans, they don't really have great receivers. You know, Marquez Callaway, Traquan Smith, I think they're both athletic, you know, players, and they're they're both talented, but I don't know if they 
are great receivers necessarily. So we'll see if this turns into a shootout or not. Troutman runs a ton of routes. Jawan Johnson's got some touchdowns. So, you know, some of these teams, we know exactly who to target. And with the Saints, it's not that there's no one that can have themselves a game. Marquez Callaway could have a 25-point game. But, yeah, I don't know. You don't really bank on it. It's hard to pick. And then with the Buccaneers, Mike Evans did have his three touchdowns last week. But the Saints have kind of been shutting down every team they've played this year's number one receiver. So this might be a Godwin game. It might be an Antonio Brown game. Evans is obviously their ex. He plays in that position. So personally, I would probably go towards one of those other guys, depending on salary and matchups. But that's my thoughts there. If it does end up being, um, you know, it's a five-point spread here. So if Tampa Bay does get up and they're on the road, it may just turn into a Leonard Fournette game too. Mm-hmm. Brady might throw two, three passing touchdowns, get a nice lead, and then they just try to grind it out. So Fournette's always in play too in really any game because Tampa Bay is going to be favored in almost every game. So that's what we got there. Let's come down. We just got a few more here, and we'll wrap it up with the spreads and over-unders. We got Washington at Denver, 43-point over-under. Denver, three-point favorites. Jake, what do you think here? Hmm. Yep. Like All right, next game. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is one of those games, like we were saying earlier, there's not a lot going on. Washington and Denver have not looked good as of late. You got the Broncos, can't even beat the second and third string Browns. Yeah. That just, ah, that game was hard to watch. Just it's tough, yeah. So Washington, they have Terry McLaurin, who was in some lineups this past week that won people a lot of money. Obviously, the alpha receiver. They got Ricky Seals-Jones at tight end. I'm sure his price is starting to get up there since he was basically been Logan Thomas. Um, Antonio Gibson's been dealing with a shin injury, but he keeps playing through it. He's an electric playmaker, so he's always a home run threat. Kind of got to keep him considered in your player pool, especially if his price is down. And then J.D. McKissick is the direct backup Antonio Gibson and plays in the two-minute offense and third down role. So if Gibson is limited at all, then McKissick, I think he's a sneaky play. And then on the Denver side, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams have both looked good all year. We keep saying this, though. It's only a matter of time until Javante Williams really just just bursts up onto the scene. You know, the guy's talented, and they're splitting the carries and touches right down the middle. But you don't move up in the draft to take a guy in the second round if you don't have plans for him. And the coaches do love him. He can pass block. He can break tackles. He can catch. He can do it all. So they do love him. Um, I would play Javante over Melvin Gordon if I had to pick one or the other. And then the pass catchers, Cortland Sutton is the alpha. Tim Patrick looks pretty good, you know, for the role that he's playing. And Noah Fant, they're really trying to feed him the ball more and more. But 43-point over-under, Washington at Denver. Jake said it best barf next up we got new england at the la chargers so you got about the either easternmost team traveling to play the westernmost team <laughs> we're pretty close to it we got a 48 and a half point over under the chargers are five and a half point favorites at home jake what do you think of this one i feel like the chargers are gonna pull it together they did not look too hot the other week. They're coming off of a bye, I believe. So I feel like they're going to get it pulled together and come out really strong. Uh, a lot of the teams I feel like this past week that came off the bye, I think all of them got wins. 
I think. I don't know if they all did, but they usually all do. They typically do. So I'm like, <clears> with that much prep, I feel like they're going to come out on top. Herbert, I think, is going to get back into himself. He was a little bit off the other week when they played the Ravens. Yep. Their offense is just strong all around. I mean, their offensive line's good. They picked up some free agent guys. You got Eckler. They're feeding him the ball. Handoffs or catches. Either way, he's getting touches. Mike Williams is playing the best season he's ever had in his career. And Keenan Allen is always reliable. He has been kind of the number two guy for them, but he still gets tons of targets. He's getting like double-digit targets every game. He's just not the deep threat guy like Mike Williams is. So Mike Williams is blowing up your fantasy points right now because he'll catch a bomb and then a touchdown here or there. Right. Jared Cook, I really like him. His DraftKings cost hasn't changed a whole lot. I think he's still in the low 3,000 range. I could see him being a good play for a lot of people this week. He tends to get targeted when they get close to the red zone, I feel like. And he's huge. I mean, he's a monster. The guy's like 6'6", 250. Yeah. And then if they're not targeting him, I guess they're getting his number two guy, Donald Parham, who's even taller and a bigger monster. Their defense seems to be, I don't know, maybe more susceptible to the pass as of late. Well, even the run, though. I mean, the Ravens had those three rushing touchdowns with all their running backs. But yeah. I guess, yeah, really a little bit of both because Oakland threw, or Las Vegas threw all over them the other week, too. I think they do have one of the worst-rated defenses against fantasy running backs. Okay. Um, yeah, kind of to echo some of your points, Jared Cook, I think, is a great option if he's still in the low 3K range just because he's more than just an end zone threat. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was talking earlier, I mentioned Mo Ali Cox. When you have these tight ends, that they only get three to five targets a game so they need to be in the end zone. I mean, you're crossing your fingers and hoping that they get in the end zone or they're not going to return value. But with Jared Cook, he's actually a part of the offense. I mean, he can catch passes between the 20s all the way down the field. He could end up with six catches, 50 yards, no touchdowns. We still got 11 fantasy points from a 3K receiver. Well, tight end, but pass catcher. So I think that that's someone definitely to consider if his salary is still down. And then Mike Williams this season has become the alpha. Keenan Allen is the underneath between the 20s guy. Keenan Allen still has it. He hasn't lost a step at all. He looks awesome. It's just that Justin Herbert's not afraid to drive the ball down the field. Whereas in the past, the Chargers haven't had quarterbacks that have had Justin Herbert's skill set. So it's not a knock on Keenan Allen at all. And honestly, the fact that other teams know Keenan Allen is good might help open up Mike Williams as well. Teams know that they can't forget about Keenan Allen. He's one of the most talented receivers in the NFL. Austin Eckler, also an incredible pass-catching running back. He gets goal-line carries, catches passes, those high-value touches. So that's someone that you always need to have in your player pool. On the New England side, there's really no one on the team that I ever like playing other than Damian Harris when they have, you know, when they're projected to win. When they're projected to be leading, I like playing Damian Harris. Um, Hunter Henry also kind of fits that same mold as Jared Cook. He may be their number one pass catching target. You know, they went out and they got Nelson Aguilar um, and Jacoby Myers is back from last year. But I do think that Hunter Henry is probably their best weapon. It's just they're only projected 21 and a half points. They're not a team that likes to open it up with, you know, a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones who he's serviceable. You know, he's getting them wins. He's doing what's asked of him. But they aren't looking for him to sling it down the field and they aren't looking to get into shootouts. So, 
really the only player I would consider in this game is Hunter Henry as a punt tight end. Because um, I just don't really want to touch the running backs if they're playing from behind. If you are going to, I think Brandon Bolden has asserted himself as the pass catching back. So if you expect them to be playing from behind, I would fade Damian Harris and I would play Brandon Bolden for 4K, you know, the minimum salary, unless they've priced him up this week, which they very well may have. Ignore our typo. I swear he can spell new. That's not a typo. That's the official that's the abbreviation. Official? Yeah, that's how, yeah, New England. That's the huh. official NFL abbreviation. So, yeah, so it's thrown me off too. Anyway, that gets us back to the top. We're working out some new features here in the software, so sorry about it. The games were kind of jumping around here and there. I promised that that wasn't an operator error. That's a software error, or at least we're going to blame it on that. And that's all we have for that segment. So thanks for joining us there. We looked at the game lines, the spreads. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back looking at DraftKings salaries. Cheers. <laughs> 